Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Williams. If you want to follow the podcast on Facebook, do a search on Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone and the Facebook page will pop right up. If you want to follow the podcast on X, True Social, and Gitter, search for at RKY Freedom. That's at RKY Freedom. Also, this podcast now has a hashtag called RKY Freedom. Therefore, if you want to comment on something I had said during this podcast or written about on social media, use the hashtag RKY Freedom. If you have a suggestion or think I should interview a guest, then email me, Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at protonmail.com. That's Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at P R O T O N M A I L.com. Thank you for listening to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. Folks, I deeply apologize that I did not get a podcast out to you last Saturday. You'll have one today and tomorrow. On this episode of the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast, I discussed an article from the New American Magazine. It discussed, at the moment, people who are being penalized for questioning things from the powers that be are Donald Trump, mega Republicans, January 6th protesters, pro-life activists, election integrity, parents upset over LGBT groomers, and COVID mandate challengers. And yes, I would actually add to that those who are questioning the COVID vaccine. After mentioning this article, I mentioned a perfect example of someone who is facing arrest because he wrote about January 6th and the articles that he had written, especially over the last few weeks, are very damning to the January 6th narrative. Towards the end of this episode, I mentioned it is other people who are questioning other forms of establishment, and I used Ammon Bundy as an example. I also came up with what I thought were some very good solutions on how we can stop this behavior from the government, or at least slow it down. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. If you are looking for a fun, quirky, mystery, family-friendly adventure, then The World Maker's Assistant may be the book for you. Set in another galaxy, it will have you wondering why Play-Doh, paint, and glue are some of the ingredients on a beloved baking show who's piloting the elusive planet-destroying ship, and if V, the main character, will find her place in the galaxy. If this is your kind of story, visit Amazon.com or OlympiaPublished.com and search for The World Maker's Assistant by Cheryl Olson. Folks, I've read this book and found it very addicting. As a matter of fact, I didn't want to put it down. And you know what? I'd much rather have my teenage or young adult son or daughter read a book like this than a lot of other books out there. So go check out The World Maker's Assistant on Amazon.com or OlympiaPublished.com today. I want to start this episode of the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast off by discussing an article that's called Controlling Elections. This is from the New American Magazine, December 11th, 2023, issue 39. Now, I learned some things in this article that I did not know. I would encourage you to Google it. I'm not sure that I'll be able to provide a link on the show notes because somebody actually sent me this article. However, I do find the New American pretty credible. This article discusses the fact that 
it is no longer just demonizing your opponent, talking about the Democrats, of course, and even some of the rhinos, quite frankly, that it's no longer just demonizing your opponent and doing what you can to demonize your opponent on TV, radio, in public, or in social media. We've gone to the next step, according to this article, and I think this article is correct. We've gone to the next step, not just demonizing your opponent, but criminalizing your opponent. Right now, the opponents, those that are questioning the establishment, right now, the powers that be in Washington, D.C., and perhaps elsewhere, are focused on a few things right now, and people. Donald Trump being one of them. January 6th protesters, activists for election integrity, those that are challenging the 2020 election and other elections following 2020, parents upset over LGBT groomers, and, of course, the all-time classic that we've dealt with for a while now, COVID mandate challengers. This article also reports that if they can get these people, they can get us. We'll talk about that later. But right now, they've gotten their jackboots thugs on the ground trying to do whatever they can to not just demonize the opponents, but to criminalize them. On August 8th, 2022, Merrick Garland sent in the FBI to Mar-a-Lago Estate with a very high publicized case in searching for classified documents. This was something that we would ordinarily associate with dictatorships in third world countries. But it happened August 8th of 2022. I remember that notification on my iPhone when I was at an activity. November 18th, 2022, Merrick Garland named former prosecutor Jack Smith to be the special counselor for two investigations by the DOJ. Interestingly enough, that was three days after Donald Trump announced his candidacy for 2024. June 2023, Jack Smith hit Donald Trump with a 37-count indictment relative to the document classification. On August 2023, Jack Smith also hit Donald Trump with another four charges relative to January 6, 2021. Of course, as we now know, the January 6, 2021 Capitol riots. Conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding and conspiracy against the rights of voters. That was in these four accounts. The article then mentioned that the words conspiracy theory is now fashionable to use as long as you're targeting your opponents because your opponents don't like you. And again, I'm talking specifically about the Democrats, the powers that be that are Democrats, and those in Washington and elsewhere that are rhinos. And it isn't just the mainstream press that's doing this, folks. It isn't just your average neighbor that's using the conspiracy theory. Oh, it's just a conspiracy theory that you read about these charges. No, as a matter of fact, we have judges, district attorneys that are doing this. As a matter of fact, Donald Trump refers to this as lawfare. What is lawfare? According to the English Colony Dictionary, lawfare is the strategic use of legal proceedings to intimidate or hinder an opponent. 
I'll give you some perfect examples of lawfare. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, along with Fulton County, I believe, F-U-L-T-O-N, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, and others. By the way, Fulton County is in Georgia. So the Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, along with Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan District Attorney, along with several others that we're going to mention here in this podcast, are definitely a part of lawfare. Now, these people that I had mentioned ran on the promise of getting Donald Trump. They ran on that pledge, and they are definitely sticking to it. We also have the New York Attorney General, Letitia James. What did these people do? Well, let's start out with Alvin Bragg. Alvin Bragg has let crime run rapid in New York City while he is obsessing over prosecuting Donald Trump. Under Bragg, Donald Trump was slapped with a 37-account indictment with a maximum of 134 years in prison. Bragg was also funded by George Soros's PAC, Color of Change PAC. Also, New York Attorney General Letitia James targeted Trump with a $250 million fraud suit in an attempt to take his properties and bankrupt him. Also, there is a left-wing judge, Arthur, his last name is spelled E-N-G-R-O-N, Engren, I guess, Engren, E-N-G-R-O-N, has aided Letitia James by assisting ridiculously low appraisals to Mar-a-Lago and other Trump properties. He has also silenced Donald Trump with gag orders. Left-wing judge Tanya Chutkin, C-H-U-T-C-K-A-N, and Obama-appointed judge and a Black Lives Matter supporter allowed Smith's prosecution team to conceal evidence from Trump's attorneys and slap him with a gag order to prevent him from publicly discussing the case. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis has weaponized Georgia's RICO statue to charge Trump and his 18 associates with conspiracy to overturn the 2020 election. Republican members of the House Judiciary Committee are probing whether Willis conspired with federal prosecutor Jack Smith in a prosecution that is politically motivated. But this gets worse, folks. Democrats in Minnesota, California, Colorado, Michigan, New Hampshire, and New Mexico are attempting to take Donald Trump off the ballot in those states. Progressives are also challenging voter identity laws. These are groups such as the ACLU, the League of Women Voters, March for Our Lives, Color of Change, Priority USA, and CTVLU. I'm not sure what that stands for, but it's here in the article. CTVLU. And there's also a group called the 65 Project that is leading efforts in 26 states to prosecute, disbar, and penalize more than 100 lawyers who worked on former President Donald Trump's election lawsuits. But it isn't just judges and district attorneys and special interest groups like the ones that I've mentioned. Big tech, big pharma, big academia, big government, big foundations, big media, and big social media have all conspired in a public-private partnership to censor what they consider to be disinformation about the election of 2020, COVID-19, 
The vaccines and promoting things such as ivy mectrum, hydroxychloroquine, and other things that helped with COVID that the FDA attempted to shoot down. Needless to say, they were quite successful unless you went to alternative sources for information. Particularly social media and YouTube would shadow ban people or just flat out kick them off their platform or ban them for a certain amount of time if they were challenging anything that I had mentioned here previously. The Attorney General in Missouri, if you don't remember, filed a lawsuit against the Biden administration saying that they colluded with social media such as Twitter, Meta, and YouTube censoring free speech in the name of combating so-called disinformation. The Federal Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, also known as CISA, an agency within the Department of Homeland Security, is at the heart of the censorship. In June 2023, the House Subcommittee released a report titled The Weaponization of CISA, C-I-S-A, How a Cybersecurity Agency Colluded with Big Tech and Disinformation Partners to Censor Americans. The Subcommittee CID, V-I-J-A-Y, GAD, G-A-D-D-E, the former chief legal officer of Twitter, who, by the way, was involved in censoring the New York Post story of Hunter Biden's laptop, and Suzanne Spaulding, a former legal advisor for the Central Intelligence Agency. An email from an MDM member admits that they are trying to keep their illegal activities secret, worrying that it's only a matter of time before someone realizes that they exist and starts asking about their work. The Globalist Atlantic Council, which was one of the private groups, that set up the Election Integrity Partnership said that it did so at the request of the Department of Homeland Security and CISA. Alex Stamos, S-T-A-M-O-S, who runs the Stanford Internet Observatory, is a major player in the cabal and is a partner in the K-R-E-V-S, Krebs group's consultancy with former CISA Chief Chris Krebs K-R-E-V-S, Stamos is a former Facebook executive, a member of Council on Foreign Relations, and a member of the Aspen Institutes. And apparently they had a cybersecurity task force as well. Serving as Stana's research manager at SIO is Renee D-I-R-E-S-T-A. Dire Star, something like that, who infamously ran a Democrat pundit internet disinformation campaign against Alabama Republican Roy Moore, making it appear that he was supported by Russia. Dire Star's D I R E S T A apostrophe S hosted, orchestrated, and elaborated false flag operations against Roy Moore. If you remember that election back in 20, I think it was in. Yeah, 2016, I believe. That caused him to lose a tight race. NewsGuard, whose advisors include former CIA director Michael Hayden and Wikipedia founder Jimmy Wales, is another part of the Internet Thought Police, according to this article. They targeted unreliable sources of news for information so that websites only relied on NewsGuard that approved sources that are notorious for fake news. 
such as the New York Times, BuzzFeed, and the Wall Street Journal. CISA officials are participating in the World Economic Forum Global Future Council on the future of cybersecurity and the World Economic Forum's Great Reset. The World Economic Forum promoted the recently passed Digital Services Act of the European Union, which requires internet platforms to implement controls on disinformation. Therefore, if Elon Musk or any other internet company wants to do business in Europe, or particularly in the European Union, they'll have to install filters that weed out what they consider to be misinformation or disinformation. What's frightening about this, folks, is that this could easily come to America, and we're starting to see it with the censorship that I have described earlier in this episode. If we start getting ESGs, Environment Social Government Scores, and businesses start endorsing this, we are in big trouble. And I do not want that to happen. But folks, here's what I'm afraid of, and here's what I think is going to happen if people don't start making noise about this. People such as myself, Glenn Beck, Steve Bannon, many podcasters that I've had on here, People like Ammon Bundy, we're going to talk about him at the end of this episode. People like Ammon Bundy, and even some of your mainstream talkers, like Sean Hannity, Mark Levin, they will all be censored, they will no longer be able to talk to us, or they'll be on these online ghettos, which very few people might have access to. So what could happen is everybody that I had just mentioned will go to Rumble or somewhere like that and we may not be able to access those because the B, the private the virtual private networks may not allow us to access that or the internet service providers may not be able to may not let us access the virtual private networks so you might have to go to the dark web which consists of illegal activity for the most part or we're going to have to work extremely hard to find the truth. And I hate to get religious on you folks, but you might have to just rely on the gift of discernment. You might have to have the Spirit of God with you. Now, I know some of you may not believe in God. That's okay. But you might have to rely on your intuition, and you had better hope that you have good intuition or rely on your instincts. Because there may very well come a day where people like me may not be able to sound off the warning bell. Now, if you want any proof that they are targeting January 6 protesters and what they call election deniers, look no further than Steve Baker. Steve Baker is the, has been the topic of discussion in alternative media and probably to some extent mainstream media. Steve Baker went and filmed what was happening on January 6, 2021. After he filmed videos on January 6th, he had two interviews with WUSA, that's WUSA, a Washington, D.C. CBS News affiliate. After that, he went home to his house in North Carolina, or wherever he lives in North Carolina, and he spent five days just analyzing 
all the videos that he took along with each video frame. He also, oh, before he did that, though, that night of January 6th, that night after the interviews on WUSA, he had two interviews, and that night he actually put up a YouTube video commentary, a short commentary of what happened on January 6th. Then he went home, and for five days, while he was home in North Carolina, he was analyzing each video that he took and the frames. So he spent a lot of time analyzing not just the videos, but the frames and what was going on in between the video frames. Then, on January 13th, he wrote a blog titled, What I Saw on January 6th in Washington. Also, if you're ever so interested, that blog consisted of 9,500 words. He also wrote another blog that was titled, Who Was Up the Chain? That blog was written on February 24th, 2021. While the other blog that I had mentioned, what I saw on January 6th, was written on the 13th of January. Then, in July of 2021, Thursday, July 22nd, 2021, Steve Baker received a call from an FBI agent telling him that he needs to interview Steve Baker. They arranged a time with him, the FBI agent, and his attorney on October 18th, 2021, to do an interview. The interview lasted for two hours. In that interview, Steve Baker offered to give them his thumb drive with all the videos that he took on January 6th. Why? Because those videos became public on YouTube, and also, Steve Baker had nothing to hide. He was not vandalizing. He was not wreaking havoc or anything like that. The only thing he was doing was taking videos. On November 17th, 2021, Steve Baker's attorney received an email that Steve Baker will probably be charged of interstate racketeering and property damage. They couldn't figure out, when I say they, I'm talking about Steve Baker and his attorney, couldn't figure out exactly why the interstate racketeering charges may occur, except for the possibility that Steve Baker told his FBI agent in an interview that his videos were transmitted all around the world to different media outlets. I'm not sure, but I suspect Steve Baker made some money off of that just because media outlets will sometimes pay you for certain videos. I'm not sure how all that works, so please don't quote me, but I'm sure that that had something to do with it. And the vandalism charges came, according to the U.S. assistant attorney, Anita Eve, because he was standing on a bench filming what happened on January 6th. Apparently, standing on a bench on the Capitol property constitutes as vandalism. Well, that is according to Anita Eve. And I would submit to you, if you were a proponent of Joe Biden filming a protest against Joe Biden and you stood on the bench of the Capitol building or you stood on the bench outside the Capitol building on that property, I doubt that they would charge you of any vandalism. But because we're talking about charges against the opponent here, 
are charges of January 6th protesting the election or allegedly protesting the election of Donald Trump. Yes, they got him or they attempted or said that they would get him on charges of vandalism just because he stood on the bench filming the January 6th protest because he couldn't video the protest where he was, so he had to stand on the bench to video at a better angle. Well, how nitpicky and how vicious the things that they are willing to do to charge someone who is just there videotaping protests against the election or supposedly these protests against the election. In my opinion, I think that these protests were set up. We'll get into that later in this podcast. So they left Steve Baker alone for approximately 20 months. Then in August of 2022, Steve Baker was meeting with his attorney and an FBI agent and talked for about 15 minutes in a parking lot. Steve Baker confronted him about why it is that they waited for 20 months and the FBI agent said that he didn't know. See, Baker replied saying, yes, you do know, I'm paraphrasing, but yes, you do know you're the ones that have created this whole thing. You're the ones that are submitting the charges. And the FBI agent did not have an answer. Fast forward to December 14th, 2023. Steve Baker gets a call from his attorney. Meanwhile, Steve Baker is in Thomas Massey's office. Steve runs out and answers the call and said, and the attorney basically told him, well, it's here that he's being charged, but they won't tell you what you're being charged for because they're afraid you're going to tweet it out. Well, isn't that the First Amendment? Isn't that freedom of speech to tweet out what you're being charged for? And by the way, I'll have more on that here coming up in this episode as well. And by the way, he was supposed to be arrested on Tuesday. Well, the next day, December 15th, 2023, on a Friday, his attorney got a call and who called and he called Steve Baker and said that they're dismissing the charges until January or they're holding the charges off till mid-January. Well, mid-January has come and gone. No charges have been filed yet. And as far as I can tell, on February 1st, 2024, at the time I am recording this, it is now 1137 Mountain Time. This is when I'm recording, not publishing, but when I'm recording, 1137 Mountain Time in the morning, nothing has happened yet. By the way, while Steve Baker was warned about the charges that he might have, on November 17th, 2021, once he got, uh, what happened is Steve Baker's attorney got an email on November 17th. And I told you that Steve Baker's attorney called Steve Baker to talk to him about these those charges. Well, after that, on Monday morning, Monday after November 17th, 2021, Steve Baker's attorney wrote a press release and they sent it to 200 media outlets around the country and possibly around the world. Well, Steve Baker was on a lot of podcasts and radio shows that day. The assistant attorney who was on the case at that time, Anita Eve, 
emailed Steve Baker's attorney and said that she was very upset with the press release. And Steve emailed Anita Eve, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically asking, doesn't Steve has his, have his First Amendment right? He feels threatened, and he has the right to say so and express how he feels on any platform, rather it's social media or podcasts or the radio shows. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what was said. Anita Eve replied back saying, that he does have the right, that Steve Baker does have the right to express himself, but she was concerned that whatever he said might be used against him later down the road and might affect the judge's decision, and she might use his comments in a trial. It sounds to me like Anita Eve was trying to score points to work her way up the ranks. That's what it sounds to me in my not-so-humble opinion. Somebody that's trying to score points, somebody that's trying to move up the ladder. Interestingly enough, Anita Eve is no longer working on the case. I'd like to know why Anita Eve is no longer working the case. Is it because she knows too much? Is it because they're trying to put it on another rookie or what? I'd like to know. Not only would I like to know, but I think we all have a right to know as American citizens and taxpayers. I do think that January 6th was a major setup to make the Trump supporters look bad. I also think, and I'm saying this as someone who likes Donald Trump, I also think that it was a big mistake for Donald Trump to hold the January 6th rally. I understand why he did it. Donald Trump is a fighter, and Donald Trump isn't going to let this go. I think that's a good thing. But I think the January 6th rally was a mistake for one reason. By doing the January 6th rally, he gave people a reason, and I'm talking about the provocateurs that wanted to make Trump supporters look bad. He gave the provocateurs a reason to come to the Capitol building and storm the building along with being violent. After all, there was a proceeding that was supposed to take place at that time where the votes were supposed to be certified. Those proceedings did not take place until later that night. This is clearly an attempt to make Donald Trump supporters and conservative media look bad. And furthermore, Steve Baker has released some very damning evidence that is going to make the FBI and some of the powers that be look even worse. This is why I think Anita Eve had a problem with sending out that press release. Furthermore, by sending out that press release, and furthermore, with Steve Baker tweeting out and sending messages on other social media platforms about what's happening and about how he may get arrested, probably frustrated the government's plans to arrest him sooner rather than later. Unfortunately, the Capitol Police chief refuses to investigate into all this. And by the way, I want you to go listen to Glenn Beck's podcast where Steve Baker specifically mentions that David Lazarus was not in the Capitol building when he says he was. As a matter of fact, David Lazarus was meant to bolster Harry Dunn's testimony about his encounter with the Oath Keepers. Harry Dunn's testimony changed during the second interview he had with the FBI which is essentially why David Lazarus came in to bolster his testimony. But the problem is David Lazarus wasn't even in the building until later. 
Go check that out on Glenn Beck's podcast. Again, there's a link in the show notes. But let's go back to the article that I started out with at the beginning of this episode of the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. The only issue that I have with this article is it failed to mention that other people are being treated very hostile by our government and the powers that be in other areas. Not just COVID mandate challengers, not just mega Republicans, not just parents who are upset with the LGBT groomers grooming their children, not just people questioning the COVID vaccine. If you're questioning an establishment that has been around for a long time that has a lot of power in a given state or area, you will be in trouble too. It's also other people questioning other establishments. Ammon Bundy is a perfect example of someone who revealed a lot of information and shenanigans about St. Luke's, along with Diego Rodriguez. I would encourage you to go visit the website freedomman.sw. That's freedomman.sw. And also go visit Ammon Bundy's YouTube page while it's still up. I'm surprised they haven't taken it down. But folks, this is very scary And it's scary that in Europe passed the Digital Services Act of the European Union. That's going to make its way here if we don't start making noise. And I've told you time and time again, the best way to make noise is at the local level and start up from there. Also, I would share what you see on social media. Even if you get shadow banned, somebody's likely to see it and share it with their friends. We live in very scary times here, folks, and we live in a time where censorship is running rapidly. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I never, ever, 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 ever thought the government would censor the Internet. In fact, when I was in high school and the Internet was coming of age, the big thing was the government is never going to censor the Internet because it's decentralized. Well, now that big tech has gotten involved and the government's gotten involved in big tech and there's a kill switch for the Internet in case of an emergency, I was ever so mistaken. And so were many of us that were so excited about the Internet coming on. Remember, though, the Internet was originally invented for the military to communicate with universities, and then it was decentralized in 1993. Then big tech came along back in the mid-2000s, I would say, and that's when government censorship started to be a conversation. It wasn't until 2016 that I realized that the government could censor the Internet. I saw the writing on the wall, and now it's coming to pass, and that's a scary thought. Get yourself informed as much as you possibly can. Pick a topic that really interests you, that is a topic in the political arena that really interests you. You could even pick a topic about censorship in the media if you'd like. Talk about it with your friends. Let your friends share what they know about other topics and discuss things and share things with each other. Get yourself informed and figure out how you're going to get involved in the local level. You might even want to get involved in social media. Or better yet, why not make a podcast? Now, I know I'm biased about it because I am a podcaster. But if you don't feel like podcasting, there's nothing wrong with creating a blog entry or a Substack entry 
or something like that to write down how you feel and share it with the public. This is how we can conquer this censorship, if we can even conquer it. I definitely think that we can slow it down, however. And I just gave you some very, very good ideas. I will talk to you all later, folks. And don't forget, tell your friends about the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. Thank you for listening to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. If you'd like to follow the podcast on Facebook, just do a search on Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone and the Facebook page will pop right up. If you want to follow the podcast on X, Gitter, and True Social, just do a search for at RKY Freedom Zone. That's at RKY Freedom Zone. Don't forget to use our new hashtag when commenting on a podcast that I have put up or something that I've written on social media. Just use hashtag RKY Freedom. That's hashtag RKY Freedom. If you'd like to make a suggestion for the podcast, or perhaps you have a guest you think I should interview, please email me. Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at protonmail.com. That's Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone at P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L.com. I'm Kevin Williams, and thanks for listening to the Rocky Mountain Freedom Zone podcast. <laughs>